no, 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 Episode 6, Wexler versus Goodman. Cold open starts with a young girl waiting at night in the Red Cloud Junior High School parking lot in Nebraska. Her cello is in tow. Her drunken mother belatedly arrives, and the stubborn young Kim Wexler is wise to her mother's antics and decides to walk home with the cello. You never listen, says Mama Wexler. And Jake, it looks like her child poverty sob story was legit. Yeah, we never doubted it, did we? That was a beautiful scene. It it really took me back to that teenage level of obstinance. Once you set your mind to something, you can do it no matter what. And I remember stomping out of my house in the middle of winter after getting in a fight with my parents and walking 15 or 20 miles to Hartford on the highway with like a trench coat and a t-shirt on. So it just took me straight back to that moment. This kid's and, and you know it's funny, man. I thought what we ended up seeing in Debs was gonna happen in this show. Right? I, mm-hmm. I, I felt like they were gonna really like shock you with one. I just thought it was a beautiful scene. So I wanna point out that there is a red cloud, Nebraska, but they don't have a junior high. The location <laughs> in question is in Albuquerque because of course it is. But I want to point out that Gene lives in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, good to know. Let me ask you this, guys. When did you know it was Kim? Immediately, because I feel Immediately. like she had referenced the era childhood earlier. I figured they were going to hit that at some mm-hmm. point. Not right away, but n- not long into it. For me, I think it was because... 
they use flashbacks so sparingly in this show that my mind went to like, okay, quirky opening. Like, are they going to threaten to kidnap the guy's daughter? Is that part of the, is that part of the play? They always got to keep you on your toes with these cold yeah, opens. I was just instantly thinking it's a contemporary scene. I think I was staring at the cello uh-huh. and that's what got it going for me. Yeah. It was the car. Just the discipline of a classical string instrument mm-hmm. seems like something in Kim's background. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the plot with Jimmy and Kim. We see Don Wachtel, the president of Mesa Verde, in an old commercial with his chubby little son, Kevin. Don is played by Jay Johnston, who is Bob Odenkirk's old crony from the Mr. Show days. Jimmy is showing it to the film crew. Sound guy and makeup girl are giddy with excitement. However, camera guy explains the logistical impossibility of Saul's time frame Yes, those are the actual character names listed on IMDb. Jimmy then calls camera guy Schlepprock. Jake, did you get that reference? I did not. It's from Pebbles and Bam Bam, mm. which is a spinoff of the Flintstones. But I love it mm. because they actually look like Pebbles and Bam Bam. <laughs> It's wild. I didn't get the reference, but it was incredibly on point. You're right. I just feel like if we just get out there and this, we hustle, we can do it. Jimmy sounding like he's giving a speech to his youth soccer team. (laughs) Jimmy refuses to take no for an answer and proposes the Superman thing, a blue screen, prompting a snigger from camera guy who corrects the color. Smash cut to the wall of Mrs. Wen's nail salon being spray painted green been transformed into a set replete with local actors doing vocal warm-ups. Jimmy attempts to elicit the performances he's looking for. A montage ensues. I just love this film crew so much, and Saul is in his element once again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to direct. <laughs> this this episode was like a, an experiment in mixed media times. You know, you've got the period opening, then you've got the super period commercial done to a T. Then you've got the production of a low budget on the fly commercial in the what the early nineties we're talking? No. We see a date on the police report in this episode. So it's after March two thousand four. I mean it's the whole episode was so theatrical and, and mm-hmm. bringing out all these different film stocks and production values, you know, running the full gamut right up from the very bottom to the very top, which is the show itself in Meta. Kim arrives and watches the spectacle from outside the nail salon before knocking. AC, they need to give Ray Seahorn her Emmy for this episode. This was um, pretty classic. And as I texted you before, I went back and looked at the fight that Jimmy and Kim got into after he got suspended uh, from from, uh, practicing law for a year. And you forget that, man. That was such a powerful scene in itself. And she's been doing this since the beginning. And then she has been so great this season. This episode was just a whole nother level. The shock, the betrayal, the anger towards the betrayal. And then the end, of course, which we'll get to. But yeah, she was just off the chart. Jimmy tracked down the 92-year-old Navajo woman, Olivia Bitsui. Kim interrupts him, asking if Acker would settle for 75 k and she will make up the difference herself. The confrontation with Schweikert has Kim shook, and she has done a complete reversal on her actions and choices in the last episode, Jake. It's supposed to be basically right after, I think, the same day 
after work, Kim goes to the nail salon. Did you buy this flip switch from Kim? Absolutely. She senses when things have gone too far and she wants to reel it in. I mean, this is the quintessential between her and Jimmy slash Saul. So yeah, I think she did a searched herself and figured this is the only way out of this, you know, resolve it and put it away. And she does come to Jimmy with plenty of time to alter the plan. Oh, absolutely. Jimmy's confidence is unwavering. He's in love with the beauty of the play, his home run ball drifting foul. But Kim seems to finally understand the risks she's been taking. Jimmy agrees to follow her lead and Kim insists on cleaning up jake the thing is she tells him that news right and they and he says okay i just gotta help them break down she says i'll help you clean up right she will not leave because in my mind she was like i gotta make sure he doesn't keep doing this and see this project through without telling me right was that your read a combination of that and sweeping up the bottles she just always feels responsible and wants to personally take care of stuff. But there definitely is a keeping an eye on him element. Yeah. Kim and Rich call Paige, tells them Acker is going to settle. They have a meeting with Saul on Wednesday. Kim apologizes to Rich for her outburst the day before. She still thinks she's right, but she acknowledges she handled it poorly. Schweikert seems like a cool boss, only really worried about public perception, and he clears his schedule to take Kim to lunch. Jimmy is offered a quick rub and tug from two of his clients after a successful court session. In order to keep them out of trouble and off the streets, he inquires their hourly rate. Howard is back at the same restaurant complimenting a judge on his golf game right on time for his lunch date with Cliff Main, played by the wonderful Ed Begley Jr. Cliff informs him the judge he just schmoozed is retiring with his 22-year-old law clerk. Guess she's been filing a different type of brief for the judge now, hasn't she? Very good. Let's hear more about that hole-in-one. <laughs> Gentlemen, can I round up some drinks for the table? Absolutely. Uh, more time with the menu, or are you ready to pull the trigger? Let's do it. I hear S&C are following the playbook. Aaron and the gang already had a jump on redrafting the complaint, but then another box of receipts was suddenly discovered. What are you hearing from Kylie? Uh, can I help you? Howie, do you know? I, uh, no, I don't know. Oh, don't try to play us like that, Howie. Uh, this is, I don't know them. Ladies, I don't know you. This is some sort of mistake, so. Yeah, we made a mistake, all right. Joe Dog ain't happy. Mm -mm. You owe us. Uh, owe you? Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. You can't take a ride on a carnival cruise and only pay for a tugboat. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can leave if you need. Uh, uh, no, no. <clears throat> Look, I don't know any Joe Dog or tugboat, so we can end this right now. We ain't leaving without our cash money, mm -hmm. honey. I don't know you. And owe no money to you. That's it. <gasps> don't touch her! I don't No, Cliff, these are not my hookers. Huh? They're somebody else's. Howard, are you sure they're not your hookers? They seem to be. No, no, Cliff, m my hookers were taller than these. <laughs> oh, God, I'm good. <laughs> Another performance. 
Another outsized performance in this show. Jimmy's irrational, deep-seated hatred of Howard makes for just incredible television. Chicanery! Hijinks! I'm starting to feel real bad for Howard. I just feel like he's taking it too far. And I don't, even though I was laughing, I was laughing at that scene and I was especially laughing when he was congratulating himself in the car after watching with the binoculars. Because at first you don't expect him to be outside on the street peeking in on the whole thing. So it's getting really sadistic on his part. You know, it's the same kind of vengeance Gus has got now, you know? It's true. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Jimmy is at war with a man who doesn't know that he's at war. (laughs) Right. His reactions, though, man. I loved Ed Bagley Jr. too. Like, oh, the whole thing. Why don't you just thing. settle this, Howard? <laughs> she right. <laughs> don't involve me in your extracurriculars. I mean, were you not cracking up multiple times in this episode? I laughed so hard at this scene, and it just fits so perfectly into the overall portrait that they painted. It's nuts. Great scene. Great scene for sure. And also, I do have to say, Jake, I agree with you. I feel bad for Howard, too. <laughs> thanks, thanks, AC. I don't. I still hate him. I still enjoy it. I know. It. <clears throat> I'm just I'm not on your team here, Maze. Fine. I think this is just one of the few times where I felt like he made a turn last season after uh, he got ripped for the stuff that happened with Chuck and Jimmy uh, right before Chuck's death and and uh, following that. And I feel like he's uh, he's gone through a change. He's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's what I think bothers Jimmy the most. Oh, it definitely it, does. Right? It's that it's genuine. Yes. It's yes. that he turned yes. this grief into a positive thing for himself, right? And and Jimmy's yes. just leaning in, leaning yeah. into the pain of it all, thinking he's not feeling anything anymore. So it's interesting because I remember that scene where Jimmy last season – just kind of ripped into Howard in a way, basically mm-hmm. like either get up off your ass or get mm-hmm. back to, yeah. to get back to work or whatever. Right. Gave and him the motivation it, that he needed. But the funny part is, I think it had an unintended outcome. I think in the way that Jimmy was berating him, I think he mm-hmm. expected to just make uh, Howard feel worse. And instead, Howard took it upon himself to kind of uh, regroup. And yeah. to your point, getting back to that uh, that emotional change, it's like legit character development, which I appreciate that the writers did on this. They're so good. Jimmy proceeds to call Olivia Bitsui despite what he told Kim. Saul Goodman is late to the settlement with Kim, Kevin, Page, and Rich. Saul Goodman during business hours. Saul the time. <laughs> Kim offers $45,000 on behalf of Mesa Verde. Saul counters by asking for four million dollars <laughs> kim is livid and desperately tries to get kevin out of the room knowing what's coming but his stubborn ass falls hook line and sinker saul brings out a dvd and plays his mesa verde commercial remix jake what do we think of how these turned out astonishingly well i loved him fantastic it's essentially slander but crafted in such a way as to be an extremely time-consuming and costly legal minefield 
Saul could get away with playing them, causing potentially irreparable backlash. Weren't you wondering the whole time they were making the commercials what they were going to be saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, that there was, was some the of best the edits part. It's really classic. Like, all you ever did was see them getting ready to say their lines. We never heard a thing. It was fantastic. I just couldn't wait to know what he was trying to pull <laughs> off. I was surprised at how blatantly fake it was oh, by the mm-hmm. end with the scratching. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was getting super ludicrous. My dad never, ever did anything like that. Kevin making his case to be the Southwest own Kendall Roy. This is all a charcuterie plate, however, with the main course being the Mesa Verde logo that was stolen from Olivia Bitsui's photograph that Kevin thinks his dad owns. Kim once again tries to save Kevin, but he is a freight train of ego headed straight towards doom. You're going to have to take down all your horsey logos or throw a big tarp over them till we can get things settled. Shouldn't take more than, I don't know, a couple years. <laughs> Saul with the dunkathon. He was an incredible in this scene. And then Kim Ugh. freaking out. The looks Ooh, of yeah. just intensity mm-hmm. and being trapped yeah. and knowing what's coming. It was exhilarating. It was one scene after another in this episode where you're just like, can it get any better than what I just saw? It reminds me of the the Chuck scene in the the chicanery episode where Jimmy finally gets him at the end while he's on the stand. Oh, with the phone. And then you realize that he got got. It was just like, oh. Yeah, it was was just like that. But instead, it just kept getting worse for Kim and just watching her sink into it was, ooh, that was just great television right there. The camera slowly zooms in on the overwhelmed Kevin as his attorneys squawk about all the countermeasures they would need to deploy. Kevin gets up to leave. Kim tries to save him once again, but Saul's number is already ingrained in Kevin's head from the commercials. <laughs> How beautiful was that detail? I mean, come on. Fucking incredible writing oh, right man. there. He meets Saul in the parking lot and asks him what it will take. Saul gets Acker his house and 45K, 200K, and credit for Olivia Bitsui and public apologies for both. What do you think of that world, huh, Kevin? I want you (laughs) to imagine a world with me, Kevin. And in that world... (laughs) I mean, that performance was mind-blowing, dude. He was on his game i mean everyone is operating at the highest level this season maybe because we're seeing that it's the home stretch that might be it i mean maybe that's what the writers have gotten this added juice and and the cast is responding i wonder if they had a clearer plan for how they would end this show than what they would do in the middle Mm -hmm. In terms of the connective tissue to Breaking Bad, and they might have just been sitting on these ideas for two years. The funny thing is, I don't know if you remember when we were talking earlier about the the Rhea article. So reading that, originally, her character was not supposed to be anything special. It was supposed to be just like a, a right. almost like a one a one season thing. And they just saw what she was able to do with that character kind of changed the show they wanted Saul to be Saul Goodman after season one and instead they were able to push it along in a way where it feels like the payoff for watching Jimmy get to Saul here 
is much more gratifying than if he was just this way the entire time. I'm very curious to see how they kind of continue to raise the bar in terms I, of what this show started off as being. That's a great point because I think, and I've read or heard that they don't really know what the next season is going to be when they're doing <laughs> one season, right? Which is great. It feels that way. But I do think they react to what the actors can do. You know it with with Odenkirk. Those montage things that they do so well are really done so well because he's so great at them. Yeah. And that goes right back to the stuff he did on Mr. Show. Those kinds of ad-libbed improvisational things. We're making a local series of commercials that are going to target a big corporation and just slander the shit out of them. <laughs> That's the concept. Go with it. And I do. I think they're able to write to those things. And I think you're right about Ray. She changed the way they could think about the character and took it in a whole different direction. Yeah, they allowed to make the shows uh, two different shows as opposed to just mm -hmm. Jimmy becoming Saul and dealing with Gus, Mike, and the whole crew. So hey, the end, And it's know, worked out. Do you know what the original thought process was around how many seasons they would do? No, I don't. They may never have known. I don't think they knew. I, I think that they found their way. Mm -hmm. I feel like coming out of Breaking Bad, it's easier to think of the last season where you are tying directly into what you've already done mm -hmm. as opposed to the Sandpiper stuff or the mm -hmm. where you're going to go yeah. with the Chuck storyline. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. That's all born of creating the show itself. And being inside of it, yeah. Exactly. Actually, you could kind of look at the show as two parts. The first three seasons, Jimmy yeah, and Chuck. Maybe. And yeah. the last three seasons, Jimmy, Kim, and the whole Mike and, and Gus and everybody else. Lalo, Nacho, more of a big part in it. Kim comes home to Jimmy playing Smoke on the Water, the same song that Giannis tried to play, AC. No. Kim is silent while Jimmy apologizes for sandbagging you with the old switcheroo. Oh my God, the wordplay mm -mm. on that phrase is just great and claims he did it to protect Kim from Rich with an immunity shield of anger. Jimmy requests Kim's Kevin voice and even though a stern Kim does not oblige him, he proposes celebration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hacker gets to keep his home plus a nice chunk of change. Olivia Bitsui gets reparations for being cheated. And Kevin still gets his call center. Everybody wins. You win, Jimmy. What? You win. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, well, we win. Us. No, I didn't. What didn't you get that you wanted? I don't trust you. Why? You played me. You made me the sucker. Again. Again? What? Wait, how can you be the sucker? It was your plan. Oh, fuck you, Jimmy. God. I, uh, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Kim, I was just... No, you, you turned you and me versus the bank into you versus me. And it is not just this. It's the same thing over and over again. No, I kept things from you to protect you. Look... If I got caught and 
God forbid, you're questioned under oath. You have plausible deniability. Jesus, Jimmy, you can excuse stabbing me in the back by making it about protecting me? Is that, is that really supposed to justify everything? Okay, Kim, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all right? It, it, it will never happen again. That's a lie. Well, I swear, I swear, it won't. Look me in the eye and tell me it'll never happen again. You can't. I don't believe you. You don't believe yourself. It is a lie. You lie. I lie. This has to end. I, I, I cannot keep living like this. No, 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 no. Jimmy, we no, can shut up. This. Jimmy, Jimmy, you know this has to change. If you don't see it, I don't know what to say because we are at a breaking point. Oh, either we end this now, no. or either we end this now and enjoy the time we had and go our separate ways, or we're... What? Or we're, we're... I mean... Or maybe... Maybe we get married. AC, how did that twist ending make you feel? At first, I was like, huh? But then a couple minutes after that last credit roll, I kind of thought about it. And I was like, okay, we're at the near breaking point of this relationship. Because I just can't envision them going down this road only because Jimmy is still going to be Jimmy slash Saul. This is just who he's going to be. She's kind of contradicted herself almost this entire season, but in, it's it's in a good way because you can see how almost emotionally conflicted she is because I think she's always looked at, at Jimmy as someone that she could save. And I think she's almost at that point where she realizes that she can't, but she loves him. So it's pretty clear that she does. I think that was kind of illustrated in her proposing there. But I think we're going to find that that love will have a breaking point soon, whether it's the end of the season or further, however they try to decide it. The way that I see it, this is a breaking point regardless of the proposal. Do we think he bought the guitar to celebrate the achievement? <laughs> and, and like, like he was just kicking back on the couch. Like I've never seen a guitar in the apartment before. <laughs> Oh man! So it's a it's That's a knockoff so strat. It's not even like a strat strat <laughs> knockoff. It's like I couldn't even recognize the brand. It's like Pawn Shop Electric. Jake, where do you stand on the fight itself? Are you taking one side or the other? She sold the fury well, right? So what mm -hmm. I'm thinking at first when she's rolling up the sleeves. I was thinking she's going to deck him. <laughs> He's like going <laughs> to haul off and just punch him in the yeah. face. That's where this is going. I mean, she's untucked, angrily untucked. And his reluctance to see things for what they were uh, shows the, the separation they have. He couldn't get out of it even though she asked him to. He couldn't let it go. He had to see the con through, right? And... He sold himself on the idea that it was good for her too. So yeah, I, I totally bought into it because that's the thing about Kim. She's, she can turn it on, but when it's off, it's off, you know, and only she can decide if it's going to mm -hmm. be turned on again. And if that's what happened early on in the season, 
in the courtroom scene with her client. And he ended up doing the whole performance down the hall anyway. He <laughs> acted it all right. out and it served its purpose because it seemed to be what it was to them, even though they didn't have to go reenact it in front of them. So that dynamic's been playing out. It also played into this whole fight thing. What I kept thinking, it teased into AC's paranoia that this season they're going to crash and burn or mm-hmm. soon in the series that they're, they're just going to have a bad end. So it, it played into that anxiety you're having when's it gonna happen is it it could be any episode you know what i mean and here you're seeing them fight in a way you've never seen them fight on screen and you seldom see her lose her temper or composure on any level right she's always trying to keep it together which is the beauty of seeing that opening scene because it answers the question of what was her childhood how tough was it because we assume she's hard scrabble. We want to believe that story she told. And, and now they answer it, but, but they're also giving you context for her tonal shifts psychologically, jumping from the big fight, the true frustration with him for just not being fucking honest because all she wants in a relationship is honesty because that's what she couldn't get out of her mother. But simultaneously, that charisma Jimmy has, that Mm -hmm. element of danger she prefers and digs, she can't turn that off quite yet. And so the whole thing worked for me on many levels. I was deeply impressed. So, so Jake, I would say, thinking about this fight, and, that, and that's why I went back and watched that scene at the end of before episode nine. It was right after Jimmy got suspended. He went to the bar, and then he thought he was being really genuine, mm-hmm. and he didn't mention anything about Chuck. And so he drives furiously to Kim, and, and he's yelling, I don't understand this, yada, 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 yada. And then she kind of breaks down everything that you know is wrong with him. And then he right. just rips into her you're slumming it with me i'm good enough to sleep with and good enough to live with but we can't have an office together and you always look at me like i'm down like i'm down and then she says a matter of factly says yeah you're always down and if you remember the end of that episode there was just a lot of quiet between them like there's this almost like chasm and it continued it just it's continued into this season and even though they had the moments where she was kind of into some of the schemes, that chasm never stopped. And I think that's just the realization that we were always headed towards the end here. So this goes back to the point that you just mentioned as far as the the first episode where we were discussing what was going to happen with the two of them this season. Yeah, I I could see them kind of ending their situation this season or putting more of like a bow and ribbon on it. Because, and then just make next season the the Saul Goodman, Gus, Lalo, Nacho, Mike, See, big blow off for the rest of the way. Here's the thing. I'm going to counter you, AC. Mm-hmm. I'm being optimistic here. I'm actually thinking my new conspiracy theory. You better Ooh, call hear. Saul. Check this out, dude. Happy ending. They're going to reveal that Saul and Kim married the whole time. She just died of cancer on the first trip to Omaha. That's not a happy ending. <laughs> well, that's that. What the fuck? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? 
Well, so I mean, I'm that's the gene that story. We, we may never get the answer on oh, that. That's man. gene story. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Better call Saul, however. Jake, I thought my conspiracy theory from this episode <laughs> with the Nebraska license plate is that Kim is somewhere in Nebraska and Gene is going to find her. That would be something oh, that I could see happening. Oh, I like that That'd happy cool. ending too, dude. I didn't see That's it all the way through ending. like you did. Good job. But you see, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> oh, man. According to the Everett interpretation, you had a different vision of how this plays out. Well, it's, it started with a happy ending. Oh, yeah, my, oh my God. <laughs> I was trying to trace kim's actions through the last three episodes because i found myself in this last scene with them completely understanding jimmy's justifications for what he did the anger shield of immunity that it protected her from schweikert while also doing genuinely good things for people who were wronged at the expense of Mm -hmm. a big bank corporation, it is actually a good thing that they did. And it was Kim's idea, and she did a lot of the work. And so he took it upon himself to land this plane without her. And I could understand that. The part that I also understand from Kim's side is the direct lying and the I don't trust you. Because how could you? It's just the fundamental of the whole thing because it's just that turns out to be a bonus that it benefits all the things she was hoping it would benefit in the first place and didn't truly do any damage to anybody and they got away with it and i felt like the scene was going to end with her saying that she got fired that's what i thought good point i'm glad you brought that up that's where i thought the whole thing was going when she pours the wine and she turns around and he says we won mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was going to say, I didn't win, Jimmy. I got fired. I forgot that little trick that they hung out there. You're absolutely right. Now, now she could announce it in the next episode. We don't know that she wasn't fired. She could still get fired because yep. they could still find out that she was involved. So pending on that. But then the jump to marriage, I guess that's just... The thin line between love and hate, right? Like they have such a volatile relationship and it's so intense. Mm-hmm. They love each other so much. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah it's she cares not really that volatile, right? They don't fight often. Yeah, you could just sense, like I was saying, there's the, the chasm that's kind of always been It's there. more the tension of who he really is yes, and who she really wants to be. No matter how much she may enjoy some of it. I guess it's Kim's volatility then, right? Because Yeah, yeah, that would be fair. Sometimes she's in and sometimes she's out. And she's susceptible to Jimmy's chicanery and hijinks. She likes she's got the itch. <laughs> she does have the itch. <laughs> Definitely has the itch. <laughs> episode which was equally exhilarating gus meets with nacho in what appears to be the same warehouse they used in briar patch 
Nacho recognizes Michael, warns him if the Salamancas ever find out, and Mike cuts him off. They're not gonna find out. <laughs> Mike's back. <laughs> I'm so happy he's fucking back. Thank you oh so gosh. much. Nacho explains that Lalo is using Ocho Loco to rat out Gus's dealers to the DEA. Gus counters by promoting low-level dealers like lambs to the slaughter. Shockingly, Lalo likes to talk a lot and has proposed plans of various practicalities. Gus turns to Mike and makes Nacho his direct report. Nacho tries to tell Mike about what kind of man Gus is, but Mike, I told you so's him, telling him he brought this upon himself by going after Hector. Mm -hmm. Nacho brings up his father. First things first, we'll take care of Lalo, then we'll talk, Mike says. Michael Mando and Jonathan Banks just killing it, AC. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful to see Nacho back in. Beautiful to see Mike back in his element doing what he does best with the help of some uh, corporate incompetent. Mike unleashes a vintage Mike scheme utilizing his unparalleled savvy from years of police work. First, he tracks down a witness for Fred Whalen's murder, the man at the travel wire Lalo burned down in last season's finale. Mike coerces Lillian the librarian into identifying Lalo's classic gray Monte Carlo and calling the police to inform them, but not before plucking Treasure Island and the Little Prince from the quarter book pile for Kaylee. I like that touch, Jake. Dude, yet another performance, right? Yet another character performing a character to another character in the story. You know, he's not Mike, right? He's a PI. They can have all the credit. I only want justice. Then he's a detective. He's like, that got to get that in her office memo. Said somebody today, right, pal? He's <laughs> drinking a coffee. He's hanging out in the break room at the police station. Finger in his belt loop. Let's not worry too hard about how he got in there, I suppose. No. Mm-hmm. He just looks the part, dude. He bullies an intern into picking up a planted in her office envelope and delivering a report he forged to Detective Roberts. An amazingly patient Detective Roberts is on the phone with someone who believes a corpse is under their porch. I love this detail. The forged report concerns the poor guy who spilled a smoothie all over himself when Lalo rear-ended him in the exhilarating parking lot sequence from last year's finale. Detective Roberts connects this incident to the travel wire fire and Lalo's car has been made. Nacho calls Mike after Lalo drops him off. They've been working this long enough to have his route memorized. Mike radios in an auto registration check, 1026, for Lalo's car, and the game is afoot. Lalo considers shooting his way out of this, but too much backup arrives, and he drops the keys on the pavement. Showing, not telling, and it's best. I was so happy with Mike being back. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. I do, have, I do have one question, though. Considering what they did to just put lalo in jail do we view this as a half measure of sorts because i think what's gonna end up happening is they'll probably get jimmy to bail lalo out in some type of way oh yeah i think jimmy's gonna defend him oh okay then that's even more interesting that could be super entertaining for sure basically we're gonna run back the hank and gomez scene but with lalo at the table this time yeah and the beauty is we might get more lalo now rest of the way oh yeah because if he's yeah, in jimmy's feel, orbit yeah. uh, in that sense um i mean again comedic ending with the scene you're talking about maze i mean because that was a long conversation on the phone about the possum body oh yeah 
Hilarious. Ma'am, if you can't fit under it, there's there's probably not a body under there. <laughs> <laughs> I like Detective Roberts. He's a nice guy. Oh, man. This was, I think, one of the best episodes of the whole series. Yeah. This episode was a 10 to me, Jake. Oh, a utter 10. It's up there. It's this one, and I think Chicanery is just like, that's an all-timer, and where he gets uh, Chuck on the stand. Gotcha. I guess for me, it was so entertaining. It was so fast. It was so much fun to watch. And yet it had drama. It had tension. It does all the things that they do so well when they're doing what I think of as upbeat storytelling. Because what's great about the show is it's it's just so much fun to watch. It's a, it's a real blast. And the way they did so many different types of filmmaking, all the performative acts, <laughs> attributes of the whole thing, I just it was mind-blowing to me. It advanced the story without rushing through it. That's the thing. It was all in service of the story to boot. It's amazing to me because there's oh. so many shows that – don't know how to pace stuff. Like, I feel like last season was a little slow, even though it was good. It it was really leaning into the slow burn nature of its storytelling. Yeah. I feel like this, the pace of this season is moving very quickly. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more balls in the air. Well, this episode got back to the alternating between the Kim Jimmy and the Mike mm-hmm. Lalo Nacho stuff. And they did that so well. Right, right. I love where we're set up. With Lalo bringing in Jimmy as his attorney. I'm thrilled about that. Are Kim and Jimmy going to elope? What's mm-hmm. going to happen with that? Is she going to get fired? Is she going to make it through this season or not? <laughs> I know she's going to get dressed down by Kevin next week. That's for sure. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. Shopping at the Walmart short, just a couple of beans. There's a George Foreman grill down the back of your blue jeans. They caught you at the checkout, the blue lights blink, only one got a call, cause the others all stink. Better call Saul, better call Saul. Husband disappeared in a most convenient way. Now your troubles are gone, his insurance will surely pay. You get to the bank, but the cops say, Whoa, who are you gonna die when they lock you down? Oh, Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. He'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You heard me, you better call Saul. Cause it's time to torch the stock 
But you gotta move quick before you singe your own hair. Who knew there was a homeless guy sleeping in there? Better call Saul. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. The FBI finds kids trapped in your creepy van. You stay real cool and tell them you're the ice cream man. But all that crying just gave you away. Who you gonna call to skip a prison stay? Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stay to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. You best call now, you hear?